Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sage Advice Podcast with me, your host, Sin Sage. And I have a wonderful, lovely guest with me today. Of course, I like to have my guests introduce themselves. So, Kendra James, would you please? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm Kendra James. Sin and I, of course, have worked together a number of times shooting sexy content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over many years, too. Yeah. Although I, I, I struggle to remember, like, the first time. But this is a part of I, – I do this with my guests all the time, too. So I'm like, hmm, where did we first meet? <laughs> we honestly don't remember. But the other day – the other day I came across something. Oh, my God. It might have been actually on Reddit. I came across a picture in a subreddit of you and I that had to be from at least 10 years ago. And I don't, if, if I look at the shoot, I'm like, that's definitely her and that's definitely me, but I couldn't place the shoot. Like just looking at the picture, I was like, what is that even from? But yes, we I look, hate that. <laughs> but we look, yeah, it's definitely like from a while ago. Yeah. Were were we wearing latex or any other kind of clues like that? No, actually. Oh my God. Now I'm going to have to pull up Reddit and be like, I know. True. (laughs) It might've been from Futanaria. Oh yes. I'm like, that would have been obvious if we had gigantic cocks on our body, but I do remember that. And it, it was about 10, if not more years ago, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, but I definitely feel like we we knew each other from before that because so correct me if I'm wrong, but you did you start like more heavily in sort of fetish circles or and grow into more porn stuff or were you always kind of like feet in both camps like how'd that go? Um, I definitely started on the fetish side of things. Yeah. Yeah. So like way back in the day <laughs> oh yes well because i that's where i was way back in the day too like yeah. way way back in the day <laughs> so, yeah you know like working for gwen media or anastasia pierce right um, or like some spanking sites yeah like that. i feel like i encountered you in one of those types of scenarios <laughs> yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean if i if i go back in the the way back machine it's like you know, working for kink in 2000 or something like that. Like that's kind of, Oh yeah. Like my origin stories were okay. Like, the old time kink days. Yes. Well, <laughs> but, I yeah, do love- sort of evolved from there. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I do love hearing origin stories, but the one question I want to make sure that I'm not asking is how did you get into the industry? Because I feel like that is the question from every single podcast. And I just don't think it's that interesting. Um, <laughs> But I, I'm a little, so you, you got in, you were around before I even started then. Cause like I started in 03. So what, what year was your first uh, toe dip into the business? Oh man. V- like the very, very first, <laughs> I make myself, <laughs> myself sound so old. Um, so my very first sort of step into the adult industry was like, 1998 oh lovely um (laughs) working for 
working for a video company called Redboard, and okay. it was a spanking video. And it was like a friend of a friend was just kind of like, oh, you know, I have this thing and it pays this much. And if you want to come do it. So that was like my first little toe dabble, I guess. Yeah. Jesus, like 1998. Yeah. So a long time ago. And it was, I mean, I was sort of intermittently doing things like working, like doing normal stuff normal i say yes of course doing normal stuff and then regular here and there yeah like Mm -hmm. a shoot here and there and being in san francisco in the late 90s early 2000s there was so much going on and like different sites different photographers there were all kinds of art photographers and fetish photographers eric kroll um steve diagetti would be in the bay area often like there were just so many like fetish oriented things and people and like the sort of burgeoning of sites, like the the beginning mm-hmm. of, you know, websites going yeah, on. Websites. So, yeah. I mean, seriously, the first thing I did was like VHS video. <laughs> so like websites were still really, really new, which is crazy to think about now. I know. know. It really is. Yeah. And even so, like, I think we've both worked for Double Trouble Wrestling Productions. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've been around since the 80s. And I remember when I I first started shooting with them, it was 2004. But like, so Mark, Mark is the guy who does the shooting and everything. And he used to have this ancient um video video recorder like to like a camera it was a camcorder or whatever but it, you put a whole vhs tape into it yes. not like one of the little ones like you put a whole vhs tape into it and that's how big it was and he'd strap it to his body and then it had like it had like a cord that came up and over his head and like assisted to help him hold the camera and i was just like wow and he used that thing for way longer than he should have like <laughs> right oh my god yeah. and i remember yeah, yeah definitely Great. like m- in the early 2000s you know my earliest shoots were all like spanking and latex and like just more of that yeah you know fetishy stuff and i feel like that too what you say about and i don't know if this is just a thing in the beginning of one's career or if this is how one's career would sort of start in this in the early internet age the late 90s the early 2000s but it did feel like getting photo shoots and getting like little niche fetish gigs. Mm-hmm. Like that was how those were the first jobs that I was getting. You know, I yeah. I wasn't even using Model Mayhem. I was using One Model Place, oh which I'm God. not even sure if people know about anymore. But. Oh yeah, good old good old One Model Place. OMP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, OMP. Yeah, and. But I'd get like lots of photo shoots, like art style photo gigs and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. it's interesting to see how it's evolved because I feel like if someone uh, is getting into it now, they just go and start you know, using their cell phone and then they just put it on, you know, Pornhub or OnlyFans or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's changed so drastically. Yeah. Since- back then like being a model i mean you can sort of get into the adult industry now without ever working with anybody else you can yes your own content create your own content run your own platform like 
it, have all the control. Very, oh yeah, have all the control. <laughs> it's very normal for people now, performers now, to yeah. decide I want to open my own OnlyFans or ManyVids or whatever it may be. I want to open this thing. Okay, pull out the iPhone and let's start shooting. Whereas, yeah. yeah, back in the day, like I was traveling all over the place. I was going to Chicago, New York. I was like hustling and actively mm -hmm. looking for photographers who would hire me, for producers who would hire me. It, I wasn't yeah. even really thinking about producing my own content back then. It was all about the paycheck from that photographer yes. who was going to hire you for so many hours or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was just about hustling the gigs and just adding up enough gigs and hoping that it was enough to, you know, like pay your bills that month. Oh, but yeah. so th that's a perfect segue because I did want to ask you about that. Like, so your career started and it was that sort of standard hustle to get the gigs. And then, at, but I guess I've seen you as sort of like a model producer for at least a decade, if not more. So just curious, uh, you know, how did you make that transition into finally producing your own clips? So I, like, I want to say in 2007, 2006 or 2007, I opened my own website. And I did so because I had worked for Kink for a while. I had worked, um, as a PA and photographer, whatever, for other companies. And when we would hire performers, or I guess I should say a lot of the performers that came and worked for those companies had their own websites. And it did sound appealing to me, you know, like Chanta Rose. I yeah. don't know who remembers Chanta, but like we were- <laughs> I do. <laughs> You know, we were, we were friendly, we hung out and she had her own site and she seemed to do really well with it. And she had the control, like, yeah, what was her, what was her site? Like bondage pussycat or something like that. It was a really cute name and it yeah. was all like her conception, her idea, her aesthetic, her aesthetic. Yeah. Um, Liz Tyler, cowgirl. She had her own site. So a number of performers that I knew had their own sites. It was their own creative conception. So it sounded, yeah. it seemed very appealing. And I decided that that's the direction I wanted to go in. Unfortunately, I also wanted the sort of budget <laughs> that kink.com had, which I oh, did yeah. not <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, <laughs> <Come> in, <laughs> yeah, in my mind, I, I was like, I want this amazing production value and I only want to do like high end glamour bondage fetish. Well, when you're working on a budget, of course, you can't always do that. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, but at the time it was, it, what I feel like it was more about that, like the production value, the high quality, like beautiful retouched glamour photos and sort of story driven or longer videos. So that's kind of what I aspired to. And of course now things have changed drastically and there's a lot that's much more amateur yeah. Or it almost feels like clips, like shorter clips is oh. sort of better. And everyone's watching on their phones now. So Exactly. So like back in the day, it was like 30 minute videos, 45 minute videos, feature yes. like movies. And now it's 10 minute clips. 
so this evolution has sort of happened over the years, but I, I sort of went off on a tangent there. But yeah, in like 2006 or 2007, I opened my website and then sort of as the evolution of these content platforms happened, I've shifted what I do and like strived less <laughs> to make this crazy, like retouched ultra glamour sort of product. And now, yeah, not that I want to say it's amateur looking at all, but no, it's just you know. not it, there because the aesthetics of the industry in general have almost like trickled down to this dissolution, you know, if right. I may, um, where it's, there's just, there's an audience for everything, but it's like, as creators, we're like, well, which one are we trying to go for? And then I just do my best with what I have and I notice what goes better. And so this also leads me into my thing I always say, which is like capitalism destroys art, really destroys everything. So, you know, we went from a time period where like, these sort of beautiful long form things, or like even just when I would go to a set and perform for another company and do like a girl, girl sex scene, it was like, we want 45 minutes. Oh, and so yeah. that's like, that's what I was used to doing. Like the scene is going to take that long. Right. And so I still do that for scenes. Um, like if I'm just doing a girl, girl scene for my, my stores or myself, but I am thinking that I might put those in a movie. Whereas like, mm -hmm. It just feels that more now where we just do better financially by producing many clips like you're yeah. like what gets you the, the money is like having an update, you know, consistently three times a week. Oh, yeah. So those are 10 minute, 15 minute clips. You know, you're not putting out like 45 minute sex scenes three times a week. Like, you oh, just no, can't do that. It's impossible. It's impossible. And that's the yeah. difference, too. Like I, yeah, once upon a time, it was an update once a week on your website. And now right. it's three updates every week on yeah. different platforms. Oh, yeah. So you got to put it in volume. all the places. Yeah, Absolutely. it's volume. It's, it's volume. Yeah, over. And I, you know, and I want to say that I'm still trying to like put my heart into it as far as the quality, but there is something that you lose a little bit artistically when it's like you have to have, you have to pay your bills, you know, you have to oh, exactly. make that yeah. income. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and it's not to say that there are not certain projects that I do that I take my time with there, there are sure. still things that I do that I, you know, it takes me longer to shoot one video. It takes me an entire Definitely. day to do something because I want, I want to make this one thing more story driven. I want to make sure mm -hmm. that it's really well shot and there might be costume changes. There might be oh, wardrobe. Yeah. yeah. So it's not to say that that doesn't still happen, but it's, a lot less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so. just what it is like putting, putting, you have less time even uh, yeah. oftentimes to, to really take your time with different projects, but you'll always have us, uh, you know, a few that really, um, like excite you. And then, and then I think the passion just comes out on its own. Uh, right. Which, which is nice. Like what was first, what was the first thing that you ever sort of encountered in your young life that, made you aware of pornography or like sexual entertainment as a thing? I don't know. Like there's not 
necessarily one instance that pops out and I feel like it's probably very like mundane (laughs) like finding my friend's father's playboy magazines you know yes um yeah these are the answers that we're looking for yeah right I I, I wish I had something exciting to say about like no no god I was walking down the street and I saw I I don't know but yeah it was it was like I remember my friend's dad had a stack of playboys by the side of the bed yeah um or the old like the old school like you know cinemax at two o'clock in the morning like having a sleepover with friends and like trying to get in that one channel on the tv that's all wavy and blurry like yes younger people today don't know about they'll never know they'll never know over 35 (laughs) or something you're like yes squiggly boob you know yes the squiggly boob and like the rhythmic (laughs) movement of the squiggles and you were you knew something naughty was going down (laughs) you knew something was happening and you were trying really hard to see it and then when like you did see a clear image of a boob. You're so excited. Like, oh my God, I see it. There it is. Like this exciting, very taboo thing on TV that you're not supposed to be seeing at two o'clock in the morning. So I think yes. that was like, you know, the very sort of typical, you know, yeah, well, pornography in, in my younger life. Because, yeah, we didn't have, we didn't have the internet. It wasn't so accessible. Yeah, it really is a different, it's a totally different world with all that now. But, um, but yeah, Yeah. like those are definitely the types of stories that I'm interested in hearing, because I feel like that's a story that I would say most people can relate to, like everyone's got a story like that. And so it's just trying to separate that from like feelings of shame and or like that it was something wrong or bad, you know, that this is just like a part of growing up and becoming a human, you know, because like pornography is not a new thing. It's been yeah. around since cavemen could paint on walls. Like, yeah, it's just evolved. It's just changed. Exactly. You know, the delivery yeah. system has has shifted. But yeah, you know? yeah. And so from from there, what, like I don't know if you can remember sort of how how it made you feel or what you were thinking about like the girls in the playboy magazine or stuff like that. So I, I think I wanted to be them. Yes. (laughs) It seemed very glamorous to me. It seemed very exciting to me and, you know, sort of the perfect body is the perfect shape The or, you know, this sort of idea you have in your head of like, Oh my God, they're like, naked in this magazine and their bodies are so beautiful. They're, you know, the, the perfect size, boob, you know, right. They're shapely and yeah, the shapely, but like not too thin, not too big. They were just like Mm -hmm. right there in the middle, like whatever your perceived idea of perfection is that seemed that to me seemed like what it was. And yeah, I, I really, I wanted to be that. I wanted to look like that. I wanted to sort of have this glamorous appeal and, you know, 
early 90s. They were in like exotic locations and all this kind of yeah. stuff. Like, I want to be like beautiful and naked in Bali or you know, whatever. Yes. Oh my it gosh, just yes. was very glamorous. Yeah. I still want to be beautiful and naked in Bali. So, well, yes, this is let's this go. Is real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then at which point did it become so what you were saying, telling me about sort of your first shoot, but you know, at what point did it become something that you were thinking in your head, like less of a fantasy way, more of a real world way where you were like, I think I might want to actually go and do this. Like, was it just a random thing that someone was like, oh, hey, I could get you this if, if you want to do it. And you're like, well, why not today? <laughs> or yeah, did you I sort mean, of plan it out? It, it, I think to me, it was very random, like sort of opportunities unfolded you know, working for Redboard Video, okay, now the director of that is putting me in touch with this other person, or another performer is putting me in touch with this other company, like things just sort of unfolded. Yeah. And, you know, I just ended up sort of making these connections and, you know, finding these people, um, putting myself on OMP, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, of course. <laughs> you know, putting myself on OMP, and like I, I guess I would say I actively pursued things. Um, yeah. But also, you know, you get introduced to somebody, and then they're like, "Oh, you know what? You should go work with my friend over here. Let me give you yeah. their phone number." Um, things just sort of unfolded that way to me, and after a while, I was actively traveling and actively searching out people to work with and actively separating like who do I what photographers do I want to work with that are going to make me look beautiful and that I might be able to use for a portfolio to get more Mm -hmm. work and what producers or what companies do I want to shoot with to make money so because there there is a difference there still is a difference um yeah definitely but yeah i sort of actively started thinking about these things in two different two different lanes and pursuing these two different things and reaching out to companies like penthouse like just to see what they would say (laughs) yeah yeah Um, i've never had an agent so i was you know doing all this on my own and seeking out you know names and phone numbers and emails by myself and like essentially cold calling people just saying hi my name is james i'd really like to work with you so it just i mean it started as like um friends introducing me to people and sort of this networking even though i didn't realize at the time i was networking (laughs) yeah totally Um, but yeah it started that way and then I made the shift to actively pursuing it. Yeah. So there was a point where you were like, oh, this is what I do for a living now. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think for me, it was necessarily even a conscious thing. It just sort of, you know, I had a, I had a regular job. I wanted to pursue my website. So I guess about 2007, Mm -hmm. uh, about 2007, after I'd started my website, I was like, you know what? I want to do this full time. And yeah. I quit my quit my regular job and like made the shift entirely to adults. So that was a conscious decision. 
but it had been growing. It had been building as time had gone on. I was making more money doing adult work than I was, you know, working in the corporate world. So, yeah. So what did that look like with your, your, like your friends and your family and stuff like that? Was there, did you face judgments from them or, you know, disappointments or? (laughs) I did not. I did not. I think I was really fortunate in that where I grew up was very liberal. Um, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and I was raised by sort of hippie parents. Yeah. (laughs) Parents who worked in education and always encouraged me to be happy you know, yes. I remember my mom from a very young age telling me, you know, I want you to do what makes you happy. Um, I'll love you no matter what. So, you know, I I was sort of surrounded by supportive people. And even if my friends, like in the early days, like I worked in a dungeon, I did pro domination. And even yeah. my friends were like, whatever, you're so weird. Like it wasn't... <laughs> You know, it wasn't really a judgment or feeling shamed for it. They would just kind of roll their eyes and be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's just her. Then getting older and, you know, continuing in this, I maybe I just sought out people who were more open-minded or I just, you know, happened to be, happened to surround myself with those types of people who I... I didn't think we're going to judge me. Um, And even now, like my circle of friends, where I live, where I live, I don't really have um, a a support community of adult performers, but my, my vanilla friends who have very normal jobs, very, you know, regular jobs, they don't ask a ton of questions, but, you know, they also you know, they also don't pass judgment. Like when it does come up, they're curious, but I've never felt shameful about it or like I can't talk to them about it or anything like that. And as far as my family goes, like my family is very small and, you know, my, I I have a younger sister who's always just been like, whatever. Um, She works entirely like a hundred percent different industry but like I when I turned 40 a couple of years ago my 40th or my my birthday always falls over AVN right oh so, like, you gotta work on over. your birthday oh my god <laughs> like, so for my 40th like I knew I was going to be in Vegas I knew I was going to AVN and I wanted to have like a 40th birthday thing whatever and I told my sister yeah. and she was like I want to go I yeah. want to go. Like she was so curious about it. It was like, um, you know, this is like a porn convention, whatever. She's like, <laughs> no, I totally want to go. Like she was super excited about it. She came, she spent the weekend in Vegas with with my friends, um, you know, went to AVN, walked around, like yeah. <laughs> very, very confused looking, and just, you know, it was an entirely <laughs> different world for her, but she yeah, she she was in like I say into it. She was um she was happy to be there and it was something really different for her that she enjoyed. And yeah. sort of took people as they came and you know, interacted. I, that, it, 
you know, we're all normal people and she of course interacted with everybody as such. But yeah, it was really, it was really fun to see my little sister, like, in like just a hundred percent out of her comfort zone, but yeah. still having a good time and not really feeling out of place. Yes. So I, yeah, I guess I've been fortunate to have a family that is, you know, loves me no matter what and friends who are supportive, even if they don't understand. And yeah. Yeah. But they like, they trust you to know what's best for you in your life. And like, I think that's, that's a really beautiful thing. And it's also amazing that, you know, it sounds like your sister was really just open to the experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like she's just looking and observing and like having an, a totally new experience. And that's oh, yeah. that, that in itself is supportive, you know, yeah, like that's awesome. And then I also love what you said, because I did not know that you we have a lot in common, a lot more than I thought, because <laughs> I also I have a very small family. I have a younger brother. Both mm-hmm. my parents were educators. I also say they're kind of hippie ish, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and basically yeah, like my mom struggled a little bit in the beginning with my career, but very quickly for both my parents, it was just like, you know what, you're healthy, you're happy. Like, how can we be mad at that? So, right. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. And it is a blessing. I, that's the way I, I look at it. I do feel like I've, I was blessed in that way, you know? Yeah. So I, I love that for you. <laughs> so just talking about your career again a little bit. So I know, for example, for, for me, when I like the first photo shoot I ever did, I was like, oh, I'm only doing photo shoots. I'm not doing video. Like oh, That was yeah. kind of like the boundary. And then very quickly, that boundary was like, swoof, gone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you did you have like sort of a similar similar experience with that? I did. Yeah, I think because video was so new, like in the beginning yeah. for me, it was it was by and large photos, aside from like that one, uh, like first banking video, everything else was like by and large photos. And I worked for a company for a while called sick puppy. Um, I worked for them as a performer and then they hired me as a PA. Nice. Uh, And it was still, it was all photo. Like we would do 12 hour days, 10 to 12 hour days of all photo sets. And like, if we shot video, it was a two or three minute video. Like it was, it was not barely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In the beginning, like photos were the thing that Mm -hmm. what you did. And then when video became more popular, more prevalent, more people were doing it, it was still slow. It was like a slow process. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still like, we're going to shoot a photo set and then we're going to shoot like this five minute video. Yeah. And yeah, in the beginning, I think I just didn't know what to do for video. I think I mm-hmm. was like, what, what, what do you, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm doing a lot of bondage, right? Yeah. So I was like, do I, do I struggle? Am I into it? Do I just, so wait, do I feel did like. you? Did you have any experience in like theater or drama club or any of that type oh, of thing? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I um I had taken a lot of acting classes as a kid. I Yeah. I felt myself quite the actor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Same. I, yeah. <laughs> it you know, it's still like now, now you're naked. 
<laughs> yeah, and now you're half naked and tied up. Yeah. And it's just sort of a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely like a more vulnerable place. Oh, sure. You know, Especially because like, you're there with strangers and... Yeah, yeah, and video feels different than photos. Like even if you're like naked or half naked tied up in photos... It's just a different experience than like now the video camera is rolling and Mm -hmm. you need to like do X, Y, and Z while you're tied up and naked. Yeah. And like there's less to control. Like in a photo, you're posing. So Mm -hmm. if you don't want to open your legs and give that spread shot, like you can angle things and you can you know, you have more control over how you're posing. Whereas in video, it's like, well, you're rolling around and things are bound to happen. Things are bound yeah. to show. You know, so it's, I think it was like a little, it was an adjustment. I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. say a boundary. Like, I don't think I was ever like, I'm never doing video. It right. was just, yeah, it was sort of a an adjustment. And yeah. Like getting used to a new comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But so to this day, like, I'm pretty sure, right, that you only do girl girl sex scenes. Is that right? Yes. So, so how did the boy girl boundary become uh, one for you? And how did you manage to hold on to it for so long? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I've always been more comfortable with women. I, I think I've always, um, and sexual dynamics, like I've always been more comfortable with women in certain aspects and with men, because I do a lot of, you know, I sort of started in pro domination mm-hmm. and, you know, at one point was doing sessions and I, I still do a lot of, um, femdom. I, I have no problem mm-hmm. working with men in that yeah. capacity, like, I, if I have a man tied up and naked and I'm pegging him, like I'm perfectly happy. Um, it's the power difference. It's, it's the the power dynamic. I am much more comfortable with men in that sort of situation. Yeah. Um, I don't know why exactly, but that's. Oh, I can come up with some reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Men physically murder us on a regular basis. You know. But yeah, so like, it, it it's just sort of always been my comfort zone, like sex with women on camera. Yay, perfectly happy to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, men is, that's just a different story. And yeah. um, I did actually do one boy girl scene. When I, I think I was probably 19 years old, I, I did do a boy girl video and it, it would, the people there were perfectly lovely. Um, everybody was really friendly. Like the other performers were friendly. The the crew, the director was very friendly. Yeah. It was really no pressure, but I was so scared, like so nervous about everything and so yeah. sort of overwhelmed with everything. And um, we were shooting at this beach house in Santa Cruz over a weekend everybody was staying in this house and uh i i drank the entire weekend i had to i (laughs) got so drunk the whole weekend and that was like the only way 
I could get through it, which yeah. is like a big fat no no now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, big fat no no. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was not. And they everyone had, was looking the other way. <laughs> oh, they had booze right there. Like, there was a bar set up in the kitchen, you know? Yes. Yes. Like, whatever. It, it yeah, was, it was like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, at that time. And yeah. this is 20 plus years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. like, I just, the experience was fine. Like, it wasn't a bad experience by any means. Right. But it, it was, it was at that point that I was like, yeah, I, this is not for me. Like, yeah, the, the penis on film, like for whatever reason, it's just not in my comfort zone. This yeah. is a boundary for me. And yeah, I think I'd rather do this other stuff. And it was then that yeah. I sort of discovered the fetish aspect of things. And then, yeah, like later on got hired for girl, girl stuff, which I'm totally, yeah. not, like, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, totally yeah. Cool. But yeah, I just, you know, I, I never felt the need to explore, like, the boy-girl side of things again. I just, yeah, I just haven't felt that. And there's been pressure to. Yeah, know. that was my next question. What, yeah. like, would it be you're on a set to do something and then they're pressuring you? Or is it just uh, outside of that, that people are like, hey, I really want to see you do boy-girl with this as far as like custom requests or what is the pressure what did the pressure oh, yeah. like look like, like? where did it come oh. from yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the time fans yeah. all the time yeah. you know custom requests like people fans all the yeah. time well, when are you gonna do boy girl when are yeah, you when I'm like but it's, it's been 20 years yeah it's <laughs> been 20 years i'm waiting <laughs> if i were gonna do boy girl like i should have started 15 years ago um, but yeah, like definitely the fans ask about it. Definitely. Yeah. I get custom requests for it. I always tell mm. people like, I'm happy to hire other performers. I'm happy to shoot a boy right. girl custom with you or for you and for like, you. Hire other people, but I will not participate. Yeah. Um, I've had directors, I've had directors like ask me about it. I've had, you know, oh my God, like years and years ago and this isn't necessarily boy girl but like years and years ago I think I answered a casting and this guy insisted that I meet him in person this is like uh 2008 or something he mm -hmm. insisted that I meet him in person to discuss the potential shoot yeah and like okay that's kind of weird like this is what email yeah. is for. Uh-huh. But I met him and he gave me like five pages of limits. Like he he gave me a questionnaire asking oh, right. about my limits. I was like five pages long and I was like, yes, 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 no, no, no. And at the time I was doing pretty heavy stuff. I was working for insects, I was working for king oh, or wow. shooting, you know, shooting yeah. for insects, shooting for king. I was doing pretty heavy like fetish and bondage stuff. Yeah, And I felt myself fairly open with my boundaries and my limits. And yeah. there was a question about enemas. And I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> do, I don't do enemas. I didn't think yeah. anything of it when I was filling out this questionnaire. Yeah, He takes it from me. He's looking over it. He's like, so anal and enemas, like this is 
that you wrote no. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, not interested. Yeah. It's like, but are you sure? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's like, well, what if the pay were this? And I was like, no, I'm just, I'm not interested. I do all these other things. There's like my boundaries are pretty open. I do, I'm available for all of this other stuff. Well, but the enemas are a really big thing for my site, blah, blah, blah. And he starts, apparently he runs an enema and anal oriented site. I'm like, buddy, this is like information that would have been really helpful like two days ago when yes that me like had you said my site is an enema based site I would have said thank you I am not the performer for you yes I'm not, not interested like yes like he it was his fault like he wasted his time he wasted your time oh, trying yeah. to be like sneaky about it or something like oh maybe I can like weasel my way to get right. him to take an enema and squirt it out on camera like Right. No. It, was just, it was so bizarre. It was like, if you wanted these things, you should have told me these things from the beginning and it would have saved us both a lot of time. Yes. Right? Yes. For years afterwards, for years afterwards, I shit you not, like every six months I would hear from him, so are you doing enemas now? What if I pay you this? What? And it became like this crazy battle of wills. Like I think at one point... <laughs> He was offering me like 10 grand for an enema scene. And I was like, at this point, fuck you, because you're just trying to push my boundary. Like you're trying to get yeah. me to do something that I don't want to do. You're trying yep. to get me to do something that I have said no to a number of times. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, yeah, I'd like that 10 grand. Right. But like, fuck you for pushing it. Yeah. Like, and the, and I feel like the truth is he was just trying to find out like what your number was. Yeah. Like, I don't think he would have written you a check for 10 grand. Do you know what no. I'm saying? Like, he just wanted right. to hear you be like, well, okay, that's my number. And right. then been like, haha, just kidding. Go. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I got her to say yes. Exactly. Everybody has a price. <laughs> exactly. It was like, right. just trying no. to prove it. Oh my God. So he was, he was definitely like the worst about pushing boundaries, but yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely directors over the years, like other companies. Yeah. Are you sure you don't do boy girl? Yes. I'm sure. Yeah, are you, are like, you sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, what, I mean, it's for us. I've had like large companies offer me, you know, or like trying. Mm, yeah. For yeah. Like I, no, because you're going to pay me yeah. this much money. It's going to be out there forever. If I ever yeah. were to do it, I feel like I would want to shoot it for myself. I'd want to put exactly. it on the So Yes, exactly. Yes. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I've just kind of, I, I, I've just sort of stuck to my guns over the years. And now that like you don't necessarily need to work for other companies. You can run your own platforms very successfully. Yep. It, it doesn't even, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, yeah. that pressure doesn't matter. It's, and I don't feel the need to pay attention to it whatsoever. I exactly. would probably make more money doing boy girl, but it, you know, it's, yeah. like I said, never been something that I was totally comfortable with. So totally. Yeah. And like, I just, I, obviously I relate to that on so many different levels. Um, because for me too, it's just never 
been a thing. And, and for me, it, it was kind of like a relationship reason at first. But then mm-hmm. when I was single for a short period of time, I was like, well, the world is open to me now. I don't have like a, a male partner. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I should consider it or think about it because again, there is that thing where it's, where it is like, you know, yeah, I probably would make more money if I did this thing. Yeah. But in the end, you know, now looking back like way many years later, it's like, I'm glad that I didn't, you know, even at the time I was like, I'm going to give myself some time to consider Mm -hmm. this before I just jump into maybe like deciding to do it. And I'm glad that I did because, you know, I, I just really came to realize that it's just not really my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I found, and then now that we're, we are where we are um, in 2023 and content is the way content is and stuff like that. It's like, I feel that I've built something because I stayed true to like my yeah. authenticity to what I really enjoy doing and what makes me feel happy and good rather than like caving into sort of whether it's pressures of like, money and capitalism or whether it's pressures of directors being like god but you'd be so good if you did this though like (laughs) you know it's just like instead i just stayed true to myself and i and you did the same thing and i i feel like that to me my view of just kind of life in general is if you do stick to your guns about what you like and what you want and how you want to do things you know, you will, I feel like it just breeds success. Like it just breeds the the rewards of being true to yourself. And right. it might sound cliche and cheesy, but like, I don't know, man, I've seen it. I've lived it. I've watched it. Like I just oh, kind of yeah. think it's real. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there, I've seen so many performers come and go over the years and so many, yeah. so many women in particular who get in and they do everything they're like i'm gonna do anal dp like messy blowjobs barfing on myself whatever yeah yeah a year later they're burnt out they're emotionally just sort of ruined like ravaged yeah they've had bad experiences or yep and they're out yeah, you know, they they made some money real quick. Yeah, and you know then they're just completely burnt out. Yeah, so I, I feel like if you're going to have longevity, if you are going to be happy, yeah, in this industry, yeah, you do have to stay true to yourself and your needs and your boundaries and what you're willing to do. And boundaries always change. That's not to say totally. Yeah, that's not to say that that your boundaries won't change over time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually someone who does this will not, you know, will not do that. Like, I've known plenty of girl-girl only performers who have gone on to do boy-girl or have gone on to do other things. Totally. Um, So, yeah, like, boundaries change, limits change as we grow as people. Absolutely. you know, just to sort of dive right in and do it all at once and then, you know, sort of regret it or feel burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then they leave the industry with like just another negative story about the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's like the cycle that just like continues to perpetuate this negativity towards the industry. And, you know, for me, like having been in it for so long and for you too, I mean, it's like this, this is like, our lives, you know, I mean, it's not like a hundred percent of our lives, but it is like what we do for a living is a big part of our lives and who we are. And so it's hard for it to not to feel like a, 
like a personal attack sometimes when it's just like, you know, you see oh, these, yeah. these performers get out and then they just talk shit. And I'm like, well, wait, there's context to all of this. And like, nobody yeah. cares about that part. They only no. care about, you know, bashing us more and more and more because that's what people it's, are out there trying to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it, it perpetuates the stereotype that everybody in the adult industry are drug addicts, <laughs> are yeah. drug addicts and emotionally yeah. unstable, suicidal. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like you you just hear about those negative stories, yeah. those, you know, those right. stereotypes, as opposed to the people who are like, eh, actually, I've been doing this for a minute. And yeah. I actually have boundaries and work mm -hmm. within those boundaries. And I'm perfectly happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like I enjoy what I do. Like, yeah. Cause it's not know, like, just you and me. I know plenty of people right. who have oh, sustained yeah. this career who have really yes. like had wonderful careers and are really happy yes. with the yes. direct. It's not just the two of us. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not just us. There are lots of women out there and of course men and non-binary people as well, but just like, uh, you know, what, in, in what other industry, few other industries where it's like really that a woman can be like own her own shit be at the you know top of her like own a company and be like this is my company and I pay my taxes and like I'm a business person and mm -hmm. you know uh, and yeah. I think there's that glass ceiling in other industries that make that very difficult for women every like other industry in this country you know women get 80 cents to a dollar of a man and it's 2023 20, yeah. like what <laughs> this is one of the only industries where like we can make more than men we can be more right. in control than men and stuff and so to me that's just another reason why mainstream society likes to attack because yeah. you know women in charge nah, we're not comfortable with that still <laughs> <laughs> yeah after all this time <laughs> Next, I want to ask you about your sexuality. How do you identify? I honestly don't really think about it that much or put pressure on myself. I would say I'm fluid. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I think sex feels good and it, you know, however that happens, you know, like I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always like was. Was there a moment when you sort of started uh, realizing, like, it, it, do you have an attraction to women? Do you have an attraction to men? No, or all of the above, or <laughs> I'm asexual. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, some people are, and they, you know, uh, oh, yeah. still perform in this industry and do a great job, and that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've I've been married to a man for many years. Uh, we've been together 23 years now. Oh my gosh, um, congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um so I've I've been married to a man for many, many years. He runs camera for me, he edits for me, so he's involved. Yeah. Um before him I was dating a woman. And I mean I've been having sex with women and men since yeah, since I started having sex. Yeah. So it again, to me, like it's very fluid. And I would say I'm attracted to, to both men and women. Um, in my younger years, I would have said I'm bisexual at this point. I'm just like, things are fluid, like sex yeah. feels good. And then ultimately you end up with the person that you're 
physically and emotionally attracted to and whatever that looks like, whether that's, you know, male, female, non-binary, you know, you end up making that connection with that person. So yeah, I, I would just say things are, things are relatively fluid for me and sex. Yeah. Sex is meant to feel good. And if that comes yeah. from a man or a woman, like, well, you know, there you go. <laughs> I love it. I hate to put my, like, I don't know. I, I hate boxes. Yeah. Boxes and sort of classifying or being yeah. to a box. Like I, the younger gen, the kids these days, I feel like everybody wants to be something. Everyone wants to yeah. identify as something. And I just never felt that need for myself. I never felt the need to say I am this thing or I am that thing or I am. Yeah. You no, know, I'm just kind of living life and fucking who I fuck. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I love that because I, I've been getting more of that answer lately. Um, yeah. Which is like, I don't know. I never thought about it. I just have sex with people that I'm attracted to. Right. Like, fucking great. That's great. Right. And yeah. it is why, you know, I, I can definitely see why certain labels can feel like a box. And I'll say that that's why um, I, I've never really felt like to me, that's what bisexual felt like that term. Uh, yeah, this is per personally my personal story now, but um, but and that's why I love using queer because to me queer doesn't feel like a box. It feels like an umbrella. So mm -hmm. there's space underneath an umbrella to move around and run around okay. and like, yeah. you know, <laughs> all right. And it just kind of it's just like I don't know exactly, and I could sit here and explain my attractions and my gender feelings and stuff. But or I could just say like I am definitely a queer person, and that's right. really all there is to it. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's just me. <laughs> but yeah, and I I love that, and I do, and I agree with you that you know what I've noticed, like just even just messing around on Reddit and stuff like that, is that the the younger people are very concerned, very concerned with what <laughs> what they should be called or into which. Right you know, category or box or several categories they should be placed. And um, it can feel like you can almost see their anxiety sometimes yeah. like, where they're just but, like, oh, my God, I don't know what I am. And I'm like, well, it's OK. <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's and I I get it. Like some people need labels, like some people really yeah. need to feel like they belong with a certain group of people. They need to feel accepted yes. and loved and supported. Yeah within that community you know, that community i get it but at the same time i just want to tell people like live your life and be happy yeah. whatever whatever that looks like you know you yeah. don't need a label you don't need a box yeah. you don't need to identify as x y or z to be happy right you know, and like this this live a meaningful life exactly like this label isn't gonna give you that meaning that you're yeah. searching for yeah right. so just be like just be you that's really yeah. i think that's that's the <laughs> pervasive kind of thought right. there like just be you and, and yeah. love it and it's fine <laughs> awesome oh kendra this is such a great podcast so far thank you so much for being my guest and i would love to transition now to answer a couple questions you down to answer a couple questions with me from uh from listeners 
They're easy sure. <laughs> All right, so this first one comes from C, and it says, these are both kind of like medical questions, but they're sexually Hello. medical questions, so I'm interested in them. Uh, all right, so what causes bleeding after sex? My menstrual cycle isn't due for about two weeks. The bleeding lasted for about 12 hours after sex. I am very certain I do not have an STI. I will assess the situation in the future and go see a doctor, but for now, I just need to know if this is at all normal. Background, first time with this partner, he is not abnormal in size and the sex was not excessively rough either. So I think people often ask the question, is this normal? Am I normal? And I mean, it happens so much that it kind of feels like, well, yeah, obviously, because everyone's asking, is this normal? So yeah, it must be. if you're asking if it's normal, it's probably normal. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, like, so for me, the thought I had was that, so I didn't, I was a person who actually, you know, despite being a porn star, you know, prior to getting into the industry, I I, I didn't have a lot of sex. I'll put it that way. Like I, I was sexual. Like I was very, maybe I was just horny. I don't know. <laughs> but I, would, I would talk and think about sex. You know, I knew I wanted to do porn. I knew I wanted to be a sexual entertainer, like a stripper, but I didn't fuck a lot of people at all. Um, and so what I noticed is sort of like the first time I had sex with a man, like a, like was penetrated uh, by a man's penis the first maybe time or maybe time or two. And this persisted um, that I would have some bleeding. And so I don't know if that is just a size thing or like a new shape thing, or maybe like a lot of time in between. I, I can't really say, but it did it definitely feel felt like um, there would be some, some blood there, but um, not like 12 hours of bleeding. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say like size or like roughness of the sex, but they said that it wasn't. They said that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Cause my the angle was, too. Yeah. Maybe the angle or if you I, haven't had sex in a while. Mm -hmm. I think that you know, too. Maybe your body is just sort of adjusting and like, what's going on? Um, yeah. I know for me, like I have an IUD and sometimes I think that contributes to like a little spotting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spotting. I, I think that sort of, yeah, I think my, personally, like my IUD kind of creates a couple of issues there. So yes, it, that might be I, something to take into consideration. Yes. So uh, we don't have that information if this person has an IUD or not, but definitely I had the copper one back when I had one and you know, for the most part, it was fine. I, you know, my partner would complain about feeling those little strings on his stick. Sometimes he said it wasn't a great feeling. little strings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my periods went from being like a normal, maybe three to four to five days to being like solid eight heavy days oh, for wow. the whole time until oh, I got it removed. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, um, so I, crazy. I was happy when my partner got a vasectomy and I was able to get that thing taken out and then it's just kind of like normal. And then I got my tubes tied a few weeks ago. Oh. Well, back, back in December. God, what month is it? Um, 
know, right? Uh, but yeah, but with everything happening um, around this country, I just never, ever wanted to be in a position where I could find myself being pregnant no matter what happened. So that was important to me. Um, but I'm like on a tangent a little bit now. So I would say, you know, it's, it's great that you're like asking about this and stuff, but at the same time, you know, bleeding is definitely a medical issue. And like, it, you know, and I would say a little spotting is very normal, right? but if you are like needing to put in even like a regular size tampon and have it in there for 12 hours and it fills up and it feels like as though you were on your period, that's going to be something serious. That's going to be something that it's like, I wouldn't even Call your OB. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't even wait. Honestly, I'd go to urgent care. If that was me, I would be like, this is totally not normal. This level of blood coming out from just having sex. If it's um, that much, yeah. If yeah. it's that much, if you're filling yeah. up like a, even a regular size tampon, like that's a lot. Uh, if it's spotting, I'll, I will say you're fine. <laughs> You're fine. It's just, you know, you're. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. He might have hit your cervix a couple times. You didn't notice. Like sometimes when that happens, it can mm -hmm. leave a little spotting. So, you know, we've got all the way from don't worry about it at all, all the way to go to the doctor <laughs> now. So, so it's really something like situation like this. You got to assess. You have to assess like the severity of what what's going on. But blood is, uh, blood can be, you know, a big deal. So definitely go to your doctor or ask a doctor. I, I'm not qualified to answer that level of medical uh, yes, questions. I, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's uh, try the second one now. Um, this one, I'm, I love it. Love this question. Ask this question more often, people. What is the best way to avoid STIs? Seriously, college students still collectively think that pulling out and or multiple condoms is best shaking my head. How often should I be tested? So, oh my God, like right off the bat, pulling out to avoid an STI, that is not how that works. <laughs> that doesn't work. You can pull out and pray about pregnancy, but an STI, right. like, sorry. You were in there. And, and, and by the way, the pregnancy is probably not a good idea either. No, also <laughs> not good. Condoms. Yeah. So, I mean, the best way to avoid an STI is, you know, regular condom use. Every yes. time you have sex, every time you have sex. And, you know, testing, like, I mean, if you're asking us, like. Yeah, I mean, you're asking me. <laughs> like, yeah, you're asking us, like. Tested. I want to regularly, like yeah, fourteen to thirty days. So yeah, yeah, that's for us. So it's like that's that, but we are sex workers, so that it is a little bit of a different situation. But I want to say, like, if you are having sex with multiple partners, like as often as we do, then you should be getting tested as often as we do. I mean, like, or every time you're with a new partner, maybe you want to go get another test. Um, because that's the only thing, you know, you're basically taking someone's word for it. And there are these people out there who will act fucking offended by you asking them. Oh my God, and that <laughs> baffles me, right? But yeah, right? they're, they're like, why don't you just gonna, trust me? Right. If they're not going to use protection with you, what makes you think they're using protection with other people? That like, is the, that, just because they're like, it. oh, well, I'm fine. 
I'm fine. I don't need to use a condom with you. Like, okay, did they I'm say that to someone else last night? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, when was the last time where you tested to be able to say that you were fine? And you're like, well, right. you know, I did it this year. <laughs> okay. And then how many people did you fuck since then? Like, exactly. It's just, you know, every new person that you're with, that is a new exposure possibility. So that that's the bottom line. Like, that's what you have to realize as a person having sex in the world. Every new person is a possible exposure. So it's at that point, again, it's always about that risk, that risk versus what level of risk are you willing to put yourself through? And knowing that there are lots of different kinds of STIs that luckily many of them are treatable, but many of them are not. Um, you know, I think every single person before they start having sex, hopefully should get vaccinated for HPV because mm-hmm. where the vaccine is now is uh, it covers many different strains and that can keep you from getting cancer. That's like the main thing. Uh, HPV is a very, very common STI to get. Most people who are sexually active either have it or have had it, will have it again. It all, most of the time, it doesn't even show itself. Like you can't even tell, but sometimes it does and you get warts. Um, You can get them taken off. Most of the time it runs through your body and it's out of your body after whatever the human body gets rid of it in like six or seven years, but then you can get it again. So, but it's one of those to like get the vaccine because then, you know, if, and when you get it, you are way less likely to get like cervical cancers, throat cancers, all of these different cancers that that infection can cause. So I think it's just, you know, you really want to educate yourself about this stuff because Condoms, yes. Condoms, please use them all the time until you see your partner's test or you go with them to get tested together. But like this double condom shit, that makes it worse. Like using two condoms, like so friction is a thing what that happens during sex and two pieces of latex rubbing on each other like condoms break enough already. You're just going to break it or one of them could break and you can't even tell. And then something can get through that like and then also condoms don't protect against every single sti either because they're skin to skin so you know you really want to look at you really want to take a good look at someone's genital area that you're going to be putting your parts up in there and you know maybe if you see active lesions that doesn't mean i can never fuck you ever but it means let's wait until you're you're not having them yeah not tonight the double yeah. condom thing I've never heard of. Like, that's oh honestly God. a new one for me. Wow, you never heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard of that. I have heard so sheltered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, the question about, like, how often should I be tested? It's, it really, you have to take this look at your, um, your sex life. How often are you having sex with new partners? You know, that that's kind of how often you should be tested. Um, so if you're doing that, a lot of that get tested once a month, every, you know, if you're not doing that at all, if you're sticking with one person for a period of time, then you don't really have to worry about it, but you don't know who they're sleeping with. And from my own personal experience, I was in a long-term committed, uh, air quotes relationship with someone. And, I, uh, 
what was it? I caught chlamydia or something one time and I was like, what? Where did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. Yeah. Um, because the whole time that I was like being committed, um, turns out like my partner was not. So that's also something to think about for people who are even in committed relationships. And I hate saying that, but that is just reality. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So just be smart, you know, evaluate your own life and, you know, yeah, try to try to do what's best. I will say that for women who have sex with women, for vulva owners who have sex with vulva owners, <laughs> like you're, I don't want to give you this pass and say you don't have to worry about it at all. But I feel I can confidently say that you don't have to worry about it nearly as much, but the risk have, is a lot lower, but it's, it's a lot lower, risk. but there's still risk. So that's for you to manage for you to look at and evaluate and say, how much risk am I willing to take? And they've got, um, cool things. They've, you know, there are dental dams, thin pieces of thin latex, uh, that you can use. And also, uh, they even make, uh, panties now that are kind of for, for lesbians to have safe sex like that. Uh, so it's thin latex panties essentially. And you can kind of like eat pussy through it and rub pussy on pussy through it. And it still feels wet and squishy and delightful. So uh, although I am not speaking from experience, I would like to try these panties. Well, then you have a fetish <laughs> aspect into it too. Yeah. The latex fetish going there. Kendra, I believe we just figured out our next trade scene. So there you go. <laughs> so I'll go invest in a pair of those panties so I can come back with uh, research. Research, <laughs> research. There you go. Evidence-based research. Yes. Yes. All right. Ooh, well, that was awesome. Thank you so much for this really great interview podcast. It was awesome to talk to you. Thank you for and having me. Yeah. You helped give some great advice. So thanks so much for being here. And uh, please tell all my listeners where they can find all your stuff and support you. All right. So clickkendra.com is the catch all for everything. Twitter, Instagram. I'm on like my 15th Instagram at this point. Um, only fans. So clickkendra.com will take you everywhere. And of course, there's always kendrajames.com. I want kendra.com goes to my fan site. Kendravids.com goes to my loyal fans. Kendraclips.com goes to my superhero store. Fetishgirlfriend.com goes to my fetish store. Goddesskendra.com goes to my femdom store. So there's all kinds of places to find me, but you can go to clickkendra.com and that'll take you wherever you want to go. Hell yeah. There's so many store. There's so many sites now. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, it really is. Yeah. Unbelievable. We've all got to have like a, a long link tree type of deal. <laughs> awesome. Well, you all can go and find all of Kendra's amazing work. And again, I want to remind you all that you can have your questions about relationships, sex, porn answered on this show. And you just have to send in your question to sinsagepodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me there uh, and 
send in your questions because we always need more of them. And thank you so much for listening. Of course, you know where you can find all my stuff. I've got sin-sage.com and that will take you to all my socials, all my pages and stores and all those things, all my spicy sites as they call them. Oh, please follow right. me on TikTok. Oh, right. The I just got a TikTok. Yes, I just got a TikTok. I'm like so close to a thousand followers. Like I'm, I'm like, come on, let's do this. So I'm, <laughs> I'm at Real Sin Sage on TikTok. Of course, you spell sin with two N's. So please don't mess that up. And yeah, that's what we got for you today. So thank you so much for listening and get out there and live your life authentically. Mm-hmm.